Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 358. Going on a cruise means you can vacation any way you see fit. Some like to take it easy and sleep in, some like to burn the candles at both ends, and that's a lot accounting for so many other cruise styles. This week, Donna shares how she and her family decided to try a family Olympics competition on board Radiance of the Seas. Here we go. We're back with this week's cruise story, and this time we're heading up to the last frontier. I think that's the marketing slogan they use in Alaska as we talk about a cruise to Alaska. And this is a fun one. I don't want to spoil any of this, but I do want to spoil it by at least introducing our guest this week. It is Donna from Virginia. Welcome to the Royal Green Blog Podcast, Donna. Hi. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am excited because not only are we talking about what has quickly become my favorite place to go to on a cruise, but also something, the Jenko Family Olympics. Just that sometimes I get these cruise stories and they're like last week's was bro cruise. And this week we got the Jenko Family Olympics. I love it. So tell me about what, tell me your cruise story, Donna. Yeah. So, uh, well, to start out, I was cruising with five people who've never been on a cruise before. So that alone made everything really interesting. I had been on, I don't know, five or six before them. And so my husband, our two grown sons and my brother-in-law and his wife, my husband's brother. And to say the least, I was going with at least three very skeptical people about cruising and two young men who were super excited to have a free vacation and a drink package. So, (laughs) so, uh, so there was, there was definitely a lot of prep and, and we looked at things, you know, short excursions and the usuals. And there were definitely um, things that we knew we wanted to do and things that we were going to do on our own, including finding a brew pub in every port, which, by the way, you can in Alaska find a brew pub in every port um, and take tours and things like that. So those were some of the, I would say, maybe not as usual cruise things that I tried to find to, to get them really excited. But what I really thought we needed was something on the ship. Um, I knew they'd be happy with the shows and and whatever pubs and and bars we could go to and things like that. But I needed something else to to get them excited. And we are, to say the least, a really competitive family. Like board games are full contact sport. So. <laughs> So we, uh, so I came up with the Genco Family Olympics, and I tr- I wanted to have ten events, but there just there weren't that many things on the ship that I could use, and and the other caveat was it had to be free. We, we were paying for nothing, so I came up with um, five events: the basketball free throw, mini golf, of course. Um, a dart game in the pub, ping pong, and a card game. And something like the basketball free throw, that was that was something where it was clearly we we're all, you know, we'd all line up and we would just keep throwing three free throws. And if you missed, you were out. Um, mini golf, 
took us two days to finish because we had a little bit of a weather delay on the first day. Um, that was that was definitely cutthroat. There was some serious competition on the mini golf course, and and of course playing on a moving ship definitely makes for um, interest. If anyone's trying to play mini golf on a moving ship, it's it can be uh, it can be a lot of fun. And and you know people were making up rules along the way and changing rules halfway through, and and uh, it it was. People didn't want to be near us. We'll just say um, <laughs> uh, the, the dart game in the pub was uh, was one that my my husband invented. It was it, he called it baseball darts, and it was you know depending on where your dart landed, you got a single, a double, a home run, and and we kept score. Um, ping pong though, ping pong took the entire week because we had to um, create a, um, a bracket because obviously not everyone can play at the same time. So we created a bracket and, um, and so you had, you had to play a couple times until you were out and double elimination and whatever. But my brother-in-law and my youngest son were so competitive that people would stop and watch. We had we had people, we had like audience watching our ping pong tournament. Um, also got very cutthroat. Um, we were going to play pool, but it cost money to play pool. So we, we scratched that off and we had one winner take all hand of, of cards. Um, so I had, I, I made a spreadsheet, you know, put our names down one side, put the events across the top and then, um, awarded points for, you got six points if you were first place, five points, second, and so on down to sixth place, getting one point for whatever event. And at the end of the week, we had a little ceremony to award the winner. And what I had done is, I went, one of the ports we went into, I went into one of the, you know, one of the cheesy gift shops that they have at every port and I bought a little uh, totem pole. And so I wrote on the back, Jenko Family Olympics 2017 and number one, and then wrote the name of the winner. And so we had a little ceremony and we awarded my youngest son <laughs> the winner. Um, and he still has it. I, I was just at his apartment last week and he's got it prominently displayed on a shelf in his in his apartment. But I've warned him that it, the next time we get together, he's going to have to bring it so that we can award it to the next, whoever the next family member is. But of course he's, he thinks he's just going to keep it forever. He figures he'll just <laughs> keep on winning. So he's, he's just like that. But, um, but it was, it was fun and it was different and it was engaging. And it, again, it's not, there wasn't anything to do on the ship. There's plenty. And of course the ports are wonderful, but this was something that was, just unusual and a fantastic bonding experience. My brother-in-law never gets to spend any time with his brother and his nephews. And my sister-in-law and I got to have some quality girl time. So it, it was something that I think, I think more families should think about doing. I was, I was trying to think of some other things that you could do. If you had a group going, you could, 
you could certainly do something like that if it's just, you know, mom and dad and kids going. But if you've got extended family, maybe you could have a massive, you know, ongoing Monopoly game or checkers tournaments or poker if you've got adults and they have those game rooms um, on every ship and you could certainly go in and and uh, occupy a few game tables if you need to so it's just a, it, you know something different it's definitely an interesting idea and very different absolutely i mean i've heard of things like I, i've heard of scavenger hunts that families have done in fact I think once or twice somebody might have actually emailed me like, hey, here's a scavenger hunt we did on, you know, Anthem yeah. of the Seas and yeah. things like that. And I've certainly, you know, pub crawls, uh, not the most uh, athletic event in the world, but still a competitive <laughs> event nonetheless. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, and so, think, you know, games, uh, regular, you know, card games or what have you. That's all that's all I've, I've seen before. But I've never heard of, you know, a family Olympics where you really went to the lengths of having like different uh, events and incorporating what the ship had to offer. By the way, I don't know. Did we mention that you were on Rhapsody of the Seas? Raps. Uh, sorry, and I was wrong. It was Radiance. I was on Radiance, Radiance of the Seas. Got it. Got um, it. Yep, yep. It was the Vancouver to Whittier. Um, and, and you know, I don't, I don't want to go into huge detail about the itinerary or anything. But I will say that if you're doing Alaska um, one way either north or south gets you the most ports and and the most fun and uh, Vancouver was a fantastic city i i could go there just for a vacation it was it was a great place to start um so so yeah going back to the the scavenger hunts and things that you can actually if you have a group the ship actually has scavenger hunts in place that um, if it isn't something that's on the schedule, they can create a scavenger hunt or they have a scavenger hunt where you can pay like $15 a person and there's a prize at the end. If you're going with a really large group, um, either a work group or a big family event, you can definitely do that. But we, we, did, we had so much fun with that. We did another group cruise in 2018 with my husband's um, college group. He went to the Coast Guard Academy, so service academy, and this was their 30th reunion, and we had 16 people, eight couples. And I knew, again, I needed to create something that would engage everyone for the five days that we were, that we were going on the, um, the grandeur of the seas from Baltimore to Bermuda and back. And so looking at their their time at the Coast Guard Academy, when they, when they first started out, um, they have a summer before classes start and they call it swab summer. And it's kind of their boot camp type situation. And they are forced to memorize all kinds of ridiculous, I don't know, chants or poems or crazy facts or whatever things that they are, like on the fly, someone will walk up to them and say, recite this. And, you know, they have to spew it off or they, I don't know, have to run a lap or whatever. <laughs> they had to do push-ups or whatever it was. Um, so I created a list for them to some things they could do before the cruise to prepare and some things during the cruise that I sprung on them at the last minute. So at dinner, I would say, okay. Uh, somebody tell me what time it is. And when you're a fourth class cadet, if you're in charge of telling people what time it is, you have to stand up and there's this whole recitation about, well, it's 
I really don't want to do it. I'm going to not do it justice, but it's this time and it's this many bells and whatever the weather is. And so they have to stand up and say all these things or um, what were some of the other things? Oh, I know before the cruise, I told them if they could still fit in any article of clothing from their cadet and a hat or a tie does not count. Um, If they could wear something to dinner one night. Well, there was one woman that came that actually wore her original fourth class year full uniform. So on the one hand, I was like, wow, that's super cool. And then I was like, wow, I really hate you for being able to fit in that 30 years later. That's just wrong. But she scored big points. but but so, you know, things like if you could get any members of the crew to walk in formation with you on the ship or or enlist people by the pool to stand in, stand at attention, if you could take a picture of that or if you can take a picture with the captain or we, so basically I created our own scavenger hunt um, or activity list and like I said, some of the things I gave them in advance and some of the things I sprung on them at the last minute. And, and again, we had a prize at the end of the week. Um, I think when what we were in rice? Bermuda, yeah, Oh, it was I, in Bermuda. I got them a little ship in a bottle oh, nice. for Coast Guard people. So, um, uh-huh. and again, it was something, oh, and the week did culminate um, on the way home from Bermuda. We had a day at sea, of course, and um, we created the uh, the beer mile. It was it wasn't pretty. I would tell you <laughs> that. Um, they started out a couple of them. Not everyone wanted to participate, but everyone came and cheered. And it turns out that on the grandeur, their running track is a quarter mile. So every lap, they had to stop by we collected all the beers for them in advance. And so those of us that were on the support crew would sit there and open the next beer and have it ready to hand off. And, and the first one they took off with their beers and they're jogging around and, you know, we're sitting in our chairs watching and they go down and they go around the end of the ship and we're waiting for them to come up the other side and they're already going slower. And so wait, what's the, well, let's back up for a second. What is the beer mile? What, what, what are the rules oh, of the, oh, beer the mile? rules are, sorry, every lap you have to drink a beer. So, so you, you like basically run around and, and the, the lap marker is what the sky bar. Um, we, we actually, as the support crew, we were the marker. We were oh, okay. important finish with us. And, Traditionally, or usually, when you do a beer mile, you you chug a beer, run a lap, chug a beer, run a lap, and you can't start running until you finish chugging your beer. But after the first lap, they said, yeah, we, we can't do that. So they took their beers with them and drank them as they were kind of jogging along. Well, one person didn't like beer, so he was doing a gin and tonic mile. Of course. That was not pretty. He didn't <laughs> make it to dinner. That, uh, but the other See, guys, they a couple other ones, my husband and and one other and two other guys, they uh, they did, but they ended up jogging with their beers and sipping as they went along. And then the last walk, they were walking, and it was funny because after lap 
two, when they stop to get their new beer, they're like, yeah, we've got people on the other side of the ship, on the other side of the jogging track that are cheering for us. So they would go around and these people are like, yeah, then we hear all of a sudden the other spouses and I are listening. We're like, oh my gosh, we can hear these people cheering on the other side of the ship for our stupid husbands walking around with these beers <laughs> doing a beer mile. And so they finish the beer mile and and you know the event is over. We're like, oh, okay, let's go back and get ready for dinner. And they're like, oh, wait, we should probably go tell those people on the other side of the ship that we're done and they don't need to wait for us and cheer for us anymore. So <laughs> they did. They, they walked one more lap to kind of as a cool down lap. And um, but again, just something. I mean, definitely not a sanctioned uh, Royal Caribbean event, and <laughs> definitely something that was just us. But um, it was something that we looked forward to all week to to again culminate our last night on the ship and and uh and just finish things out with a bang it was it was a good time and something out of the box i would say for uh That's cruise great. activities <laughs> i gotta ask where did you get the inspiration for it um like the whole olympics you know, thing yeah so before uh, before we went, about a month before, I had seen on Facebook, a friend of mine had a big family reunion at, they rented a beach house somewhere that had a pool. And um, and so they were showing all of the, they did a, a family Olympics, but with all kinds, you know, different things like, you know, where you put a softball under your neck and you have to like pass it to the person behind you and, or do things with hula hoops or running with a spoonful of water or an egg on a spoon or whatever, things like that. And and so I thought, oh, that looks like so much fun. What then I started thinking, wow, I wonder if we could do something like that on the ship. Well, I didn't think running with a raw egg on the top deck would be appropriate. Yeah. So right. I came up with these other things and I was like, all right, well, let's see what we can use on the ship. Um, we were going to do like a three on three soccer tournament. Cause they have the little soccer goals up there or at least a soccer shootout. But my one son has been playing soccer since he was three and he's 27 now. So I didn't think that would be very fair to like <laughs> me who's never played soccer before. So tried to think of things that were everyone could do, even okay. though I really hadn't ever played ping pong much before other than fooling around in someone's basement. But I tell you what, after a couple of games, you kind of, you get all right. You get pretty good at it. I will say that I, I really excelled at um, the basketball free throw and mini golf and ended up coming in second overall. So nice. I, I just love the creativity. I love that. This is a great example of Everyone doesn't cruise the same way. And the idea that you go on a cruise and the way that I cruise or the way that Donna cruises or the way that anybody cruises is has to be the same is not true. It, it is a make your own adventure adventure. Yes. And uh, it is it's it's what you make of it. And you can have fun like that. I'm sure Donna, I promise you this. There are some people I know exactly who they are. I can measure them in my mind who are listening to this episode and be like, "The beer mile! What a great idea to do on our next cruise!" And it's it's whether you take inspiration from this or you just think it's funny and you never do it. That's okay too. It's just we. That's what that's so great about cruising is you can do it the way that you want to do it and and mix it up. Maybe do the Olympics one cruise, the next cruise do the complete opposite, the exactly. sleep in, you know. And it's uh, it's all great. So thank you so much exactly. for joining me here. Yeah. 
you know, and every ship has different things available to you. So, you know, you can customize and, and come up with other things. And you could even, you know, flag down someone on the ship, one of the crew members and say, hey, you know, what's something unusual that we could do that, you know, we could, we could add to our family Olympics. Um, and uh, like the cruise director probably come up with some great things. You could certainly do trivia or, you know, have every man for himself instead of being on a team or whatever, you know, I'm yeah. sure there are things. Absolutely. Well, Donna, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us here and telling us about your, the, the Jenko family Olympics. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to seeing you soon. We got time for a couple of great Royal Caribbean questions to answer on this week's episode. And of course, if you want to send me your Royal Caribbean emails to be read and hear, regardless of what it's about on cruising, would love to do so. Send it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email this week is from John in San Antonio. It's, hey, Matt, question for you. So my June 2020 cruise to Coco Key from Galveston was canceled, so I was able to do a lift and shift via my MEI travel agent to a sailing out oasis of the seas out of Cape Liberty, also to Coco Key. I'm wondering what are the best transportation options to the cruise terminal on embarkation day? We plan to fly to New York City to visit for a few days before the cruise, looking for guidance, although I'm bummed that I have to wait another year to cruise. So excited to sail on Oasis. John, great question. So, easiest way to get to Cape Liberty. Uh, number one, the easiest way is definitely Lyft or Uber. You could take a taxi as well, but I think Lyft and Uber is better. Uh, number one, if you have a lot of luggage or you just have a larger group, it's so much simpler just to go in the app and be like, okay, I need a Lyft XL or whatever, whatever the option is. It's super easy. John, when I did this uh, in July of 2019 for Anthem of the Seas, I was saying in Midtown Manhattan, you know, the morning of, requested the lift, got there very quickly, hopped in, easy, boom, on our way. Now, the time before that, I tried to save some money because honestly, the ride over will probably cost you at least $100 um, for, for the lift, that is. Um, now, you might say, wow, that's a lot of money, Matt. And there are other options. I tried to do it on the cheap last time. What I did the time before that was we actually took the New York City subway down to what is the station is called World Trade Center. And then we took the PATH train. So we took the New York City subway, but then the PATH train takes you, that goes between New York City, Manhattan, and New Jersey. We took the PATH train over there. So that's one subway train with all our luggage. Then we moved across to the, to the PATH train. PATH train took us with all our luggage across to New Jersey. And then we came up, the PATH train does not go to the port. It came up, I think we got out in either Elizabeth or Newark, and then took a, a conventional taxi, a regular New Jersey taxi over to the port. It might've saved us a little bit of money, but the effort required to move our luggage, it was not worth it at all. And after that, I told my wife, the next time we come to New York City, we're just gonna take a taxi or something. And that's exactly what we did. So I would highly recommend you do that. The only other option you can consider is a car service, you know, some sort of a, there, there are sedans and car services that are out there. I just don't think you're saving any money by doing so. And again, Lyft is my preferred way to do it. I would definitely recommend that. And not only that, it doesn't matter where you're staying. You don't have to commute from your hotel to a centralized location. No, you just plug in where you are, have all your luggage ready to go. And, and that's basically it. And I think you're doing it the right way, man. I love doing a couple days in New York City 
before the cruise. A lot of people, I'm gonna expand your question, John, here. Since we got some time, why not? If you're looking to do a cruise out of Bayonne and you wanna do a New York City trip before the cruise, it's a great idea. Number one, stay in Manhattan. Uh, it, it is tempting to save a few bucks by staying in somewhere in New Jersey, whether it's Jersey City or Newark. But I'm telling you this right now, even if you stay in Newark, you're still taking a taxi the day of. And the price difference between New Jersey and New York, in a lot of cases, is not that much. In fact, for our Anthem of the Seas cruise that we did, um, this was a Royal Caribbean Blog Group cruise. So we all had kind of a common experience. And I stayed in Manhattan, and there were some folks who stayed in New Jersey. And between repricing hotel rates in those months leading up to the cruise, I think we ended up getting a better deal than some of the people who were in New Jersey. So don't necessarily assume that staying in Jersey will be cheaper because it's not Manhattan. It's not necessarily the case. Do your homework. Um, I would recommend staying in New York City anyway, Manhattan. Don't stay in Brooklyn. Don't stay in Queens or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, especially if your plan is to do the tourist stuff in Manhattan. It is so much easier if your hotel is in the city and you can just simply hop on and off the subway and have not a giant long commute time. So yeah, do that. Stay in Manhattan. Do whatever you need to do in the city. See all the sights. Uh, eat all the great foods and then take a Lyft or Uber ride over to the port the day of the cruise. And that's my friends is the way to go. In terms of flying into New York City, you always want to fly, at least if nothing else, fly out of uh, Newark because the Newark airport is closest to the port. It does make a big difference because to get from Cape Liberty to Newark airport is maybe 15 minutes, unless there's like just giant traffic. But the amount of time you're on the highway is so limited because the port and the airport are so close that it's it's pretty unlikely that'll happen, but they're so close. Whereas, you know, LaGuardia and, and JFK are significantly further away and it's easily conceivable you could spend an hour commuting back and forth there. So yeah, if, you, if at all possible, fly in and out of Newark because it will just make the day when your cruise is over so much simpler on you. Next up, we have an email from Carlos Ribeiro. Hi, Matt, long-time listener to the podcast. Got a two-part question for you that I'm hoping you could possibly have an answer to. My wife and I have an upcoming cruise in Symphony of the Seas at the end of April 2021. We booked this cruise on board Freedom of the Seas a few years ago and have moved this cruise out a couple times now. Fortunately, we have a new addition to the family, in which, at that time, the Freedom of the Seas sailing, we weren't considering a family at the time. Now, in your personal opinion, what should we do about adding our new son to the room? Not sure how to go about this, and my travel agent isn't working at the current moment, so I don't have access to her. I tried looking online for our booking, and it does not say if it's refundable or non-refundable booking. Can you possibly help me steer me in the right direction? The cruise is a year from now, so I can't in, I'm not in that much of a hurry. And the second part of my question is, how is it cruising with a one-year-old? Is it something we should maybe delay a few years until he's a little bit older? Great questions, Carlos. Number one, do not delay if your kid is older. Cruise when they're young, man. I did it when my kids were both six months old. It's a great thing to do. It's a great family vacation. At the end of the day, you want to spend time with your family. A cruise is a fantastic opportunity to do so. So I would not delay it. I think it's a fantastic idea. Obviously, you're going to move at a little slower pace, Carlos. You know, I've done a couple blog posts about cruising with young kids at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Uh, you can definitely check that out. Some interesting things on there and, and some tips and tricks. But I think the number one thing is do not skip uh, do not skip nap time. No matter what, even if it comes at the expense of maybe doing a, a really awesome excursion, do not skip nap time. It always, it seems like a fine idea. And then you go through it. And then like the in that afternoon, it comes back to bite you a thousand fold. Don't do that. But uh, it's a great, nonetheless, I would do it every single time and I would not delay the cruise. So yeah, go for it. In terms of what's to do but adding your kid, number one, I understand that there's a different landscape right now, especially with the whole you know pandemic affecting 
people's livelihood. So I'm not, you know, uh, oblivious to that. At the same time, your reservation still needs to be serviced and your travel agent, if they're not able to, uh, I would speak to, I'm assuming your travel agent works for a company. It's not like just, you know, so-and-so incorporated. It's it's a bigger company. I would speak to, reach out to the agency, be like, hey, I, my agent used to be so-and-so. They're not available. I need someone to service my reservation here because they, you are entitled to do that. And I would at least start there and talk to the agency to get that because there's no reason you can't have somebody be managing what you're doing because as you know, you can't manage it yourself. If for some reason the person managing the reservation was either, you know, maybe it is a one person shop and that was it, or you don't get the kind of, you know, you don't get a response, whatever the case may be, then I would reach out to Royal Caribbean about uh, moving the reservation back to yourself. But that's a bridge for another, let's assume, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be pretty confident that you'll be able to get a response out of the agency. Uh, in which case, you know, when you're trying to add somebody, number one, you have to look at the room you have booked because some rooms have a capacity, all rooms have a capacity. Sometimes it is one person, sometimes, sometimes it's, you know, it, or sorry, sometimes it's two people and other times it can accommodate more. So you need to determine which you have. Um, in terms of what type of uh, deposit you have, this would be in the paperwork you got when you made the reservation. When you went to Next Cruise, you would have gotten a piece of paper that would have had all your deposit information on there. In addition, if you changed your reservation to another sailing, which I think you said you did, then uh, you should have gotten new paperwork from the travel agent with, again, here's the confirmation, here's the reservation number, here's, how, here's who's on it, the the booking number, the the cruise fare, taxes, port fees. And in there, you'll see something, um, whether it's refundable or non-refundable. If it's non-refundable, it usually is hyphenated to be, uh, or abbreviated, I should say, NRD, non-refundable deposit. So it should be in there at the very least. But again, contact your travel agent. They should be easily able to identify that for you. So you gotta figure out the room. If you're in a room that can only accommodate two people, well, you're gonna need to change reservation, change rooms at the very least, right? and get something else. Um, if you are in a room, let's say you're a balcony room and your balcony room can accommodate four people, let's say, then obviously all you have to do is add the person, the, your, your son, congratulations, by the way, to the reservation. Doing so may change the, I mean, it will change the price of your cruise. Uh, and so you'll have to talk to your travel agent about how that will affect your cruise fare in terms of, you know, all the logistics involved with that. But it's a pretty easy process. It's just maybe a I don't want to call it an expensive process, but it's going to cost you more money because you're adding a third person to the reservation. Keeping in mind, by the way, that the third and fourth passengers are always cheaper than the first and second passengers. So that's the good news. The bad news is a lot of new parents are sometimes surprised to hear that, yes, you still need to pay for kids. Yes, you still need to pay for one-year-olds. Um, the same fare that if you were paying a 13-year-old or even an adult as the third person. Royal Caribbean and the cruise lines in general do not uh, change the price based on age. Um, they still pay, you still pay for that. You still pay for the gratuities for them. And uh, best you could hope for is a kid sale free deal, in which case then you're right. Then you would not be paying the cruise fare for, for your son. You'd only be paying taxes and port fees. Um, but again, you'll have to work through that with the travel agent there. So I hope that helps a little bit, but I can look at the room type you've got. Even if you have non-refundable, as, as long as you want to give Royal Caribbean more money, you say, hey, we want, we're in this room, we want to move up to this room now. That should be no problem at all. But I would say that uh, I think putting the, your son in the same room as you is fine. You know, as you know, I'm a big proponent of having, you know, multiple rooms for kids. Uh, you know, if you've, you've got kids, uh, parents in one room, kids in the other one. You know, for one for one kid, A, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. For And for B, for a one-year-old, 
I don't think it makes a lot of sense either. Uh, I think having them in the same room is definitely the way to go. Also, make sure your travel agent puts on the reservation, Carlos, that you want a pack and play, a crib in the room. This is a big one because having on the reservation, theoretically, should ensure that when you arrive to the cruise ship and your room is ready, the crib is already there. Um, what you don't want to have happen is having them try to scramble for them. There are a limited number of them to begin with on the ship. Number two, do not bring your own anyway. And number three, even if they're like, oh, okay, we'll go get it. If you're anything like my kids were at that age, they're probably going to be due, due for a nap early on in the day. And so having that crib available as soon as you can get into the room would be a huge help. So there you go, Carlos. Hope that answered your question about cruising with young kids there. We got uh, one more email today. It is from Luke, who's got two crazy theories about Galveston. All right, here's Luke's email. Royal Caribbean is always very aggressive about removing cruises from their website search, aren't they? When they canceled cruises in March, they immediately became unavailable to book through the website. Same for subsequent cancellations and most recent Alaska sailings. What confuses me is that the cruise terminal in Galveston is officially delayed a year to fall 2022, but in late 21, early 2022, they're still available to book on the website. So I have a couple of crazy theories. Number one, they're planning to replace the ship with something else and are just working out the details before they offer everyone a cruise on a different ship. This seems unlikely to me since you, they know which ship or why not just cancel Allure now and then promote the other ship when they decide on it. Number two, maybe Allure can technically fit in Galveston. The actual problem has been the terminal can't handle the number of people. Perhaps they will just limit the number of guests who will sail on these dates and it just isn't far enough out that we haven't seen any of the sailings fill up. Both are pretty crazy, but I've been waiting for the email that says my cruise on alert January 2022 is canceled and it hasn't come yet. The fact that they're still offering the cruises really confuses me. Have you ever seen something like this before? As always, love the podcast, keep up the great work, and look forward to cruising soon. Luke, interesting theories. I don't agree. <laughs> I think here's what they're going to do. I, I would, listen, I am a really bad uh, predictor. I'm not usually very good at it, but there's what I really do believe. Number one, it's not that crazy that they're not, they're still selling the cruises on the website. The website is notorious for being incorrect, unfortunately. And the fact they're still selling it on the website is uh, a reflection of something else, which is that technically, Luke, Royal Caribbean has said a thing about Galveston. Like we, you and I know that the term, the new terminal in Galveston has been delayed a year because the port of Galveston had a meeting that, which are open to the public, and they said they got a request from Royal Caribbean and 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 that they're going to delay it a year. Okay, cool. Except Royal Caribbean has not actually officially announced that. Just the Port of Galveston has, even though you and I both know that's the case. So the reason why the website's still showing is because technically the cancel the cruises aren't canceled. Nothing's nothing has been announced yet, which it doesn't excuse the fact by any means. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying that that's kind of it's kind of like. It's the lame excuse why it is why it is. Now, that being said, here's what I think is going to happen. Number one, alert cannot get there early. Your, your second one, uh, number one, there's two problems. The 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 port needs to be dredged, so the, the harbor needs to be dug deeper so that it can accommodate an waste class ship, and the terminal absolutely cannot handle the ship. So the, there's two problems off the bat. So alert is definitely out of there in the short term. What I think is, gonna, what's the most likely scenario? The most likely scenario to me is Liberty's just going to stay there longer. I mean, let's face it, what's, the, what's easier, right? What's the... What's the simplest solution? They just extend Liberty instead of sending her wherever she was going to go there. We don't even know where that was going to be anyway, because Rel never announced where Liberty was going to go. So I, 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 my expectation, Luke, is that yes, your cruise will be canceled or at least transferred or something. Um, but Allure will not be there for your sailing. It will be Liberty. And uh, eventually when they'll make an announcement, I have no idea. That's a real I don't know why they're delaying making the announcement. It makes 
I, I don't know what the upside is. Like maybe the, they're hoping the 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 whole pandemic will end tomorrow and they'll be able to, you know, and, and people will be booking their cruises left and right and they'll have money coming in and they can turn around and do it sooner. I don't know how, I, I would hope that they're not quite that naive with it, but who knows? Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I don't know how to make of it or why they haven't said what they've said, but my expectation, and again, Luke, I could be 100% right. Maybe you'll be wrong. You'll be 100%. I could be 100% wrong. You could be 100% right. And then everyone will be like, wow, that crazy guy was right about his uh, theory there. Who knows? But thank you, Luke, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Be sure to send me your emails if you have a question about your upcoming cruise, crazy theories, uh, beer Olympics, whatever you got on your mind. Send them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until the next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.